12 podcasts of Christmas. <laughs> it's number two. Episode two. Hey, two drug accountants. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk account, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk account, drunk, drunk, drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk account. It's the 12 days of the Drunk Accountants, Tim. Day two. 12 podcasts, as I like to call it, Dan. 12 podcasts. 12 podcasts of Christmas. In December. Yeah. Of us. Jingle bells playing. It's snowing outside. Snowing ash. The weather outside is frightening, but for, <laughs> for different reasons other than the cold. <laughs> we may have some answers on that in one of our 12 podcasts of Christmas. <laughs> What's true. happening outside? What's happening with the weather? Yeah, that one is a riveting conversation that mm. we will release and you'll know which one we mean when you hear it. <laughs> uh, Tim, this is a regular full-length episode mm. today, so why don't we start with what, what is, is the Tim, Tim and Danlo? Tim, how's your week? It's been really good. Yeah. Um, second last week of work, so... On the countdown. The final countdown. Yeah, no, it is, it is the final countdown. I'm looking forward to a break. Cannot wait. I cannot wait either. Um, but no, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to a break from you. <laughs> the issue with that is, and we've mentioned this before, we've got the same friends. I know. So, gonna I see you all day at work. I'll see you at all the social events. Going to have to really do something about that friend group. <laughs> I think we just need to get rid of one person. Orford. Orford. <laughs> Michael Man in the Street. We should give him a call today. We should give him a call today. It was his birthday yesterday. Oh, I, I, put wonder, the phone I wonder if he's free. Up. We'll try later. We'll try later. Let's uh, do it. So, Tim, I agree. That was my week as well. Let's. Uh, should we just push on? Uh, yeah, a small mention. Uh, it was Michael's birthday yesterday. Was also, nice. his Bucks party on Saturday. It was. So it was. That was quite fun. Was fun. Um, played a bit of golf and drank some beers in Newcastle. Tim, I don't know if you know this, mate, but you and I finished a round of golf three under. How good is that? Three under. We're practically we're professionals. Golf players. We're professionals. I'm like I'm playing off scratch now. <laughs> I've never played like one. We're playing four person Ambrose, and only maybe one of my two of my shots counted the entire oh. nine holes, but. Um, still, I've never been part of a team that's played so well. There was one shot. Oh, it was epic. It was unbelievable. Do you remember? Who shot? It looked like you shanked it completely. You were chipping onto the, onto the green. Uh, yeah, I do. And it looked like you shanked it completely. Like It just missed a bunker, but it hit the top of a ridge that rolled down onto the green. Bounced off the top, almost <laughs> at a right angle, down the hill, and uh, landed pretty close to the it hole. It was like a meter away from the hole. And mm. then you putted it in, I'm I pretty did. sure. Yeah, I, think, I think I did. I think, so, uh, I, I think out of the nine holes, I think I putted it in twice, maybe three. Um, I was happy with my, my putting nice. game towards the start. Mm. Towards the end of the, the game, um, my putting deteriorated. Stamina. Mm. stamina. stamina. Exactly. I'll get you. Certainly does get me. Certainly does get me. Uh, Tim... Do you have a business update? Yeah, I do. I've got a couple this week, actually. Yep. One of them is um, going to be something that we have a guest on for. Mm. So, it's NAB and Zero Payments, 
which is pretty exciting. I'm excited by that. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, we've been waiting for this for years, actually. And Xero first announced years ago that they will be allowing you to make payments um, for things like bills, for Mm -hmm. example, bills that you might have entered in Xero to process the payment from directly within Xero without having to leave the software. That's right. Or, I guess, log into your online banking is the idea. It was a pretty big deal when it was first announced in my mind because that's that's amazing there's a yeah there's a step at the moment where you know if, if you're entering all your accounts payable in zero which we've recommended before and it's now mm. even easier with something like hubdoc mm. um or receipt bank or if you're using quickbooks they have a mm. receipt catcher thing as well but entering in your bills um when you paid them you had to download what's called an aba file mm. upload that to the bank account yeah. Pay it off there, um, or you just had to go to your bank account and manually pay each one yeah. and mark it as paid in the accounting software, which yeah. is annoying. Yeah. Um, so for ages, we've always thought, I wish you could just select what bills to pay and just pay it. Yeah. And guess what? You can now. You can um, if you bank with NAB. If you bank with NAB, there are some steps to it, but um, sure. it is it is quicker than downloading and uploading an ABA file. Oh, for sure, it's going to be a lot better, mm-hmm. and it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. It is just NAB right now and it does cost you more at the moment if you're going to opt in for I, that. I imagine most banks will fall as people recognize that this is something that they want. I feel like it will, but the amount of time it took for them to connect NAB just mm. makes me think, hmm. But they've done it now. It is done and you mm. feel like, yeah, replicating it should be. But I mean, I've heard bank systems pretty bad. Mm. We'll see. But anyway, well done, Zero and NAB for well getting done. that happening. Well Pretty done. exciting. And it's like... Wow. So, you can automatically sync your bills into Xero using HubDoc, mm-hmm. which we know is going to be available to all Xero files come March. For $2. For $2, which you have to pay. Yeah. Because the price is just going up. Going up. <laughs> and now you can pay bills directly from Xero if you're an app customer. Yep. So... Big deal. Yeah. Exciting. Even easier there. to manage your cash flow. Now, the other business update I have is around R&D tax incentive. Yeah, and we actually got a question about this during the week um, from one of our listeners sent us through a question about the R&D tax offset. And it it is something that we're going to do an episode on. We've been trying to line that up for a while, um, somebody that we want to speak to about it. But there's just been some news, some changes to the rules. So, it's even more relevant now to talk about. Yeah, so um, everyone always gets very excited about the R&D tax incentive. Mm. I mean, it's, it's free money from the government, I guess, in a way, in a way. Um, but don't forget, you've got to make losses to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. to get that money. So, it's, it's essentially like if you're developing something new, um, a new service or a new product, mm. and there's a whole range of protocol around it. So, it's not simple. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. You can do it yourself in terms of the legislation for it, but best to seek advice. Mm-hmm. Um, you can actually recover some of the cost you've spent mm-hmm. um, on researching and developing that new product or service. Yep. Um, via a tax offset. Yeah. And so, basically, you might get a refund for the amount of money that you've spent on developing something. Yeah. And, you know, they... Essentially, it adds back to... You don't have to pay income tax on it. Yeah. Um, and they give you a refund. And, yeah. Yeah. And they also, um, depending on... Uh, your income levels and things, it, the rate changes and, and, and whatnot. Yeah, so because there's some very big companies that can do this and you can imagine their budgets would be huge. Mm. So there are some caps 
on the um, amount of offset that you can get. Um, <laughs> None that anyone listening to this podcast would, would hit. So the maximum amount of R&D expenditure eligible for the increased tax offsets will be raised from 100 to 150 mil. Yeah. So we're talking a lot. So if you're spending 150 mil and you're listening to this podcast, get in touch. <laughs> yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to know actually what R&D you are doing. But So it was basically a bid from the Australian government to try to... Um, harvest innovation in mm. our country. Yep. And harvest and, innovation. I like that. Yeah. Did you come up with that? I did just in my head then. Yeah. I like that a lot. Mm. Cool. Thanks, Dan. I harvest like wasn't this, the first word I was going for. I actually. feel like this podcast harvests innovation because ah. what we do, Tim, is we plant the seeds. Ah. We sow and then we reap. <laughs> Isn't it you reap and then you sow? <laughs> no. No, you, you reap later. You sow first. Uh, you reap what you sow. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Whew. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, there's been a <laughs> there's been a change. Um, the rate of R and D tax incentive will now be determined by the company's R and D intensity percentage. In inverted commas. Intensity. So I'm not really sure what that means, but I'm uh, guessing... I assume is the bigger part of your business mm. that is involved in R&D, the higher the rate of return that you will cool. receive. So that's the next sentence here. It says, the intensity percentage is the rate of R&D expenditure compared to company expenses for the year, mm. where a marginal rate of offset will be applied. So it's like... I guess they have a sliding scale mm. for how much offset you can access mm -hmm. based on how much of your business is for um, R&D. Mm. I'm, I'm, I wonder whether they're going to have a higher amount of offset available to lower intense. It seems like it would be higher intensity. Yeah. We're, obviously, more information will come out about this when we do a full episode on mm. it. But that's, that's something that we should look up. The other thing that I'm curious about is I'd assume that they're going to be looking at um, associated entities and things involved as well because you could easily spin off the R&D work to a company you set up purely to do that R&D, in which case it's 100% for R&D. Mm. But your associated entities, yeah. your group of businesses, mm. it might only be 10%. That's going to get technical. So I'd imagine it would be associated entities and not just a singular entity mm. because it's an, e it's an easy way to avoid that otherwise. Mm. Yeah, so check that one out. If you are um, an engineer or like... Someone with a cool idea. Yeah, someone with a cool idea. that And it's something that's never been done before. Um, yeah, you might be eligible for R&D tax instead of... Now, the only thing I will say here, that is from the 1st of July 2019, Dan, those changes. So, if you were... It's already in place. Yes. This is the thing. I don't like when this happens. They retrospectively... Yeah. Because you might have had some calculations. If, if someone was super planned with their R&D, they mm -hmm. might have already be thinking... Wow, I'm going to get like 40% back of mm. what I'm spending as an offset mm -hmm. to save me tax and mm. potentially give me a refund. Whereas that could all be flipped on its head now. Yeah. So if you are doing R&D tax incentive or you have clients who are, um, then just maybe have a check of the new rules because mm -hmm. it could be affecting their expectations right now. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. But for last year, it's all the same. So All the same. Cool. That's a good one, Tim. I like it. Uh, I think we should definitely do a full-length episode Me on that too. later on. And like we know a little bit about it, but we want to get someone who is an expert an and expert. does it every day. Yeah. So yeah, because we I have a few clients that that have, so does Tim that have been through this, have done R and D stuff, and we know a bit about it. But yeah, someone with some in-depth mm. knowledge would be, especially about the new rules. Yeah, would be great. Yeah, and it'll be someone who has potentially worked in the government agency looking at it Ooh. in the past. So we'll see. 
All right. They didn't reply to my email. I. <laughs> <laughs> they will. There is no getting away from us. Bloody public servants. <laughs> Sorry if you're a public servant. <laughs> uh, do you have a tight ass tip, Tim? I do. It's another time ass tip. Time ass tip. Yeah, but you can also save some money. <laughs> we need a sound effect. Oh no! I just went to reach for my phone and just realized it's, it's recording, recording video. <laughs> okay. Um, so this week's time ass tip is. Order your drinks online for Christmas parties. <laughs> uh, so, bit right. of backstory on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we have a Christmas party coming up yeah, next weekend for Cats Accountants, which is our accounting firm. Yeah, if you're listening and you're wondering, as a list, on that, as yeah. a listener did during the week, uh, what accounting firm do we own? It's called Cats Accountants. <laughs> yeah, like the animal, plural. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because we love cats. Yeah. And accountants. Mm. So, um, yeah, anyway, we're having a Christmas party and there's a bit of admin involved, you know, in mm. collecting drink orders and going and getting those drinks. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants something different, Dan. Everybody wants something different. There's hundreds of different beers in Australia. Yeah. Not only that. It's tens like- of different ciders. Yeah. Tens of ciders, <laughs> hundreds of beers, millions of wines and and... Everyone wants something different, you know. Some people want a manly drink, like a scotch on the rocks, like I'll be drinking. And, and other people want a girly drink, like a, a Gordon's pink uh, gin yeah, and tonic. Which you also said you'd be drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's nothing wrong with that, Dan. All right. It looks like fairy floss in a bottle. But... And it tastes like it too. It's delicious. <laughs> oh it is delicious. <laughs> You know, anything sold in four packs is just like good. Not a man's drink <laughs> at all. Although uh, one of the beers I got was in a four pack. So, uh, but that's just smart business, Dan. That's a smart business. <laughs> it makes you buy double. Yeah. So, uh, good work, Bolter, selling in four packs. Yeah. So, the reason why this saves time is rather than go to the shop and mm. pick from the shelves. Mm. Um, what did you do, Tim? Specifically, I ordered online with Dan Murphy's. Mm. Now, we probably should have got Dan Murphy's on for a little bit of a sponsorship here because this is a real good plug for them. We might tag him. But I guess you could do this with any any bottle shop. Um, that provide the online service. Hmm. So, I'm a member. I get access to member prices. And this is where you save money because um, there's some really good deals uh, at Dan's. Everyone, everyone knows Dan is uh, putting mm. some good deals out there. Yeah. So, um, so, we got some good deals. But not only that, click and collect, Dan. Click and collect. Need I say more? So, we had like 12 different types of drinks that we wanted. There was Mm -hmm. four or five different ciders, Mm -hmm. um, a case of beer, uh, three like bottles of champagne, um, another couple of six packs of beer and stuff like that. Yeah. And to go around and get all that, that's going to take you at least 45 minutes and you're going to get distracted. You're probably going to spend more money than you need to spend. Not only that, is you're not going to be able to find everything. There's no yeah. doubt that you'll wander around those aisles just staring. Absolutely. You've got to find stuff you don't need. Mm-hmm. So, click and collect. Mm-hmm. Turn up. They'll have it ready to go. Um, they might even push it out to your car for you and help you pack. Brilliant. Mm. Brilliant. Saves you time and money. Yeah. Well done. That's a good tip. Thanks, Dan. That's a good tip. Mm. Um, uh, in a future week, I'd like to discuss with you your experience with click and collect at Coles uh. and why you discontinued that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could be unique to me. 
Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was a little bit disappointing. Mm. Anyway. Mm. All right. That's a good one. I like it. Thanks, Dan. Let's move on to our main topic today. And it is something that we've never spoken about on the podcast before, uh, but is very important, especially this time of year for retail or hospitality businesses. True. But very important for all businesses at any point, really. Yeah. Um, but seeing as it is seasonal, mm. some of these things, and mm. is the seasonal period, Yeah. I think it's a pretty good topic. We did Christmas parties last week. We're doing capacity this week. Yeah. How do they link? Well, cr- <laughs> Christmas is Christmas time, Christmas yeah. parties, yeah. and capacity is important during the Christmas period ah. because you can get big influxes. Yeah, true. Especially for those businesses like you were saying. Exactly. Okay, I so like capacity it. is related to the Christmas period. I'm on the deck. Yeah. I'm on the board. You're on the deck. You're picking up what I'm putting down. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, good. Nice, Dan. Yeah, capacity. I mean, it's something that's hugely important to our business. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, in, we're in service. So, um, it's all about the amount of time that we have available. Um, so, for us, capacity is pretty pretty easily tracked. Yeah. Um, for restaurants so or hospitality, I guess their capacity can be linked to how many meals they can produce, coffees they can make, mm-hmm. how many tables they have yeah. in their restaurants. All um, sorts of things. You often see them... Um, trying to leverage capacity by having multiple seatings yep. in an evening. Yep. So that you can make sure you can be fully seated twice. Yep. Twice over without someone arriving at 7.30 and just taking up the whole night at that table. Yeah. Um, so, it's it's something... And even like manufacturing, that's huge. They, I'm sure they're under some extreme demand. Yeah, absolutely. Let's I, hope anyway. I think uh, it relates to every business in different ways but there are some um universal concepts about it yeah um so i think maybe the place we should start uh is what is capacity and how do you define it or calculate it i guess what what are we talking about here um at its really fundamental level capacity is the amount of maximum outputs Mm. that you can have yeah um with a given set of inputs I like it. Um, to meet the demand that you currently have. That sounds like a fucking textbook definition of capacity, Dan. I am a well walking done. textbook. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. I like it. Thank you, Tim. Can I say that's shit hot? That is shit hot. Awkward. Too far? Too far. All right. Too far. I just got really excited about that capacity <laughs> definition. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so, no. so what, what do I mean by that? It's a lot of, there's a lot of jargon. Uh, input, yeah. yeah. Output. Stop talking at Cantonese, to yeah. Uh, but basically, it means: uh, Do you have enough stuff to meet the demand yeah. that you might face? Can you um, produce enough things, or provide enough widgets, mm. or spend enough time mm. um, to provide the goods and services that are being demanded from you? Yeah, that's right. Uh, the conversion of inputs to outputs is efficiency. Yes. And that's why it's an important part yeah. of the capacity metric, isn't it? And the amount of outputs you can meet for your total demand yeah. is your capacity. I like it. I like it. So, so what Dan is saying there, like capacity isn't just a measure of, well, I've got 10 tables, which means I can um, have 10 people per hour, like 10 different 
meals or mm. tables served per hour. Mm-hmm. Well, there could actually be a table there which is less efficient <laughs> mm. and decide to stay for four hours. Mm-hmm. And so, that's really going to limit your capacity in mm-hmm. that circumstance. Or you might have a staff member who is just feeling a bit hungover from their Christmas party last night. Mm. And uh, yeah, they have eight available hours that day. But their output mm. is not going to match the amount of input yeah, that's because right. of the efficiency. And it gets even more complicated. You know, the capacity of the amount of meals that can be cooked per hour by the chefs that you have on staff. Yeah. The capacity of the number of tables being able to be waited by one single person. Yeah. Um, these are all things that lead to your total capacity in your business. It, and that's why it gets complicated in those scenarios. When you've got, say, a service business, well, then really capacity for us might just be, well, how much work can we get done in an hour? That's how efficient are we? Yeah. And how many hours in a day do we have to do work? Yeah. That's capacity. Well, I want to tie this back down. So, people, if you've gotten this far in the in the episode, I just want to say, Thank you've you. gotten something, <laughs> <laughs> you've gotten some value out of this already because what you can do is start to define your capacity. And figure out whether or not you're actually reaching those heights. Yeah. Because they could be lofty heights. And you're like, oh my God. I, if all of our billable rates multiplied by our available hours mm. and an estimated efficiency rate of 70%. So, that's mm. like if we're there eight hours a day, yeah. 70% of the time we're getting work done. Yeah. Um, would equal this much mm. in sales at a given rate Are we per hour. That? Yeah. Is that, are we anywhere near that? Mm. And if you're way over that, you're like, holy shit. No wonder our staff turnover is so high. <laughs> We're working them <laughs> or, with the bone. Or, yeah, or if you're way under, well, then something is being left on the table mm-hmm. and you're missing out there. And Correct. there's got to be, it won't be one thing, but there will be several different variables you can try and push on mm-hmm. or change to try and improve upon that. Mm, levers you can pull, yeah. handles, knobs you can twist, all sorts mm-hmm. of things that will get those. Uh, knobs you can twist. Outputs going. Dan's twisting knobs. Twisting knobs to get those outputs. I'm just going to get you saying knobs you can twist with that hand movement and turn it into a freaking YouTube video with I like dance we were filming it. <laughs> with like dance music and shit. The knobs you can twist. Knobs, knobs, The knobs, problem knobs. that we've got is because we may never, we might not even use this footage, but we've decided yeah. that we might film it and you can see us uh, do a few things on the socials, but normally when I'm, ex- I'm very expressive with my hands. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, so back, back onto capacity. Yeah, back into the knobs. So, Tim um, kind of has moved us into the next kind of bit here, which is like, all right, you've measured what your capacity, your maximum output could be. Mm. Um, but now you need to figure out two things. Oh. One, um, should you be forward planning capacity? Should yeah. you be planning it to ensure that things that you can meet your demand going forward with the amount of capacity that you've got? Mm. Um, but also, you know, are you underutilizing mm. your inputs? Is your efficiency not good enough? Yeah. Um, or are you overutilizing and is there a bigger problem there? Mm. So these are all things that you need to consider. I think we start with those for last two, um, mm. both under and over capacity. Yeah. So, let's just think of um, our capacity in terms of machine hours mm. because really, you know, that's what our staff are to us, right? Just machines. Just machines. Churning away. Cogs in the machine. Cogs in the overall machine. Cogs Producing cats. tax returns and <laughs> financial reports and yeah. meaningful I really data. like to work with the Ford model 
Mm. Um, just all my stuff doing one particular task repetitively over and over again in a dark room. <laughs> and it really works. Well, we are selling cat's accounts hard. <laughs> no, so, so, yeah, if you think about your capacity as like a machine, right? Mm. And you've invested a certain amount into that machine. Mm-hmm. So, it's very important that you have a sort of gauge on whether you're maxing the machine out mm. or whether you're not getting enough out of it. Um, like you could be. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's where I think it's nice to sort of visualize your capacity and over capacity or under capacity. Yeah. Um, so, when we say over capacity, um, we're more, more saying too many resources, right, Dan? Like we've got, we've got more capacity than we need yeah, at so, present. So, so, let's say that the demand for your um, product that you're, that you're creating is 100 a day. Mm-hmm. That's how many, that's what the market says that they need. Yeah. But you've got machines that can make 200 a day. Mm. Well, you've got excess capacity. Mm. You've got, uh, essentially, you're only using half of the capacity of the machine. Yeah. So, what else could you be using that machine for the other half the time? Mm. Or, uh, you know, do you need that bigger machine? Could you yeah. just get a smaller one and save some cost? So, common signs of being um, over capacity is I guess like low profitability. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> because your costs are going to be too high for yeah. the income that you're bringing in. Particularly, like um, it depends. It depends what type of inputs and and where you report it, but your gross profitability might might be low, yeah. and that's where. So you can you can look at like staff mm. as as a form of um, cost of goods sold. Cost of goods sold. Yeah, um, it's a good way to do it. Say if you're in accounting um, or a service industry. Or put, or put it, your productive staff yeah. above the gross profit line. Even in a cafe or a restaurant or something, you know, the waiters and the bar staff and the chefs should probably all be a cost mm. of goods sold. Versus the manager. Who would be an overhead cost. Yes, yeah. correct. correct. So, that's the thing, you know, as Tim was saying, a low gross profit would generally mean that you might be um, spending too much money yeah. um, for very little demand on your product. Yeah. Um, and that could be a cause. I mean, there's other causes for that. Costs are higher for supplier reasons or whatever, yeah. but basically, one of the issues could be your capacity is too much. You, you you've mm. got too many staff on the floor, and you've only got two people sitting at a table. And here's an interesting little segue into being under capacity, Dan. Mm. I think there are people who believe they're under capacity right now in their business. Yeah, you know, we could definitely be part of this mm-hmm. as well. We, mm-hmm. um, who actually without knowing it, are over capacity. Mm. You, know why, you know why, Dan? Because of efficiency. Yeah, that's right. They're not, you know, they haven't got their captain's hat on and sailing that efficiency. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, I like it. Mm, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so actually, just adding more resources or more inputs doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be over or under capacity. Mm. It really does depend on the efficiency of the inputs. That's right. So, you know, as Tim's kind of alluded to here, you know, if you're under capacity, the, the symptoms of that could be um, that work's not getting done, mm. um, that there's low satisfaction from clients mm. because the value or the quality of the product may have dropped. Yeah. Um, staff turnover because they're overworked. They've got too much going on. Yeah. Um, they're symptoms of that. So, and, and I guess what I was going to say is, Dan... Um, that will also reflect on your profit and loss. Yeah, definitely. Because you're under, capa- <laughs> under capacity, you think, mm. oh, well, 
you know, we're, we're going to be making higher profits yeah. because we're under capacity. But no, no, you could actually be over capacity, inefficient. Yeah. And, and therefore, um, absolutely, you, you're not making profits. Because uh, generally, our gut feel would be, you know, we're working way too hard. Yeah. We're getting so little out of this. Yeah. Um, we need more staff. We yeah. need more people in to do this work because I'm doing too much. Mm. When really the solution is that you're just not being efficient enough. Yep. There, there are small tweaks, small changes that could happen to your system, yep. to your equipment, to the process that you use. Um, removing non-valuable tasks out of the equation, yep. that would actually mean that you go from being under capacity to over capacity very quickly because suddenly you're getting more output for the amount of inputs. Exactly right. So, you could actually be both over and under capacity. Yeah. Right? You could. Well, <laughs> I, think, I think what's better to say would be you could be under capacity and inefficient yeah. and very quickly change to being efficient and over capacity. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. There's, an, there's a relationship. But first of all, you're going to be efficient and mm. at capacity. Probably. Probably. You're not just going to go straight to over capacity. No, exactly. Um, You'll get to a point where you're efficient over, and you're doing the right stuff. Over capacity means there's inefficiency because you've got too many resources mm. And maybe you're too efficient at what you do yeah. or something like that. Exactly. So, you've got 10 people sitting around and you only need one. Yep. Yeah. So, cool. yeah, it's, it's interesting that the relationship between capacity and efficiency is so strong because, yeah. um, you know, the more efficient you are, the more capacity you have. Yeah. And um, there's, there's a relationship there and, and vice versa. Hmm. Uh, so, what I think is the next step in this is probably planning. Planning, which is the answer to capacity, yeah. essentially. So... Answer to capacity problems, right? That's right. Mm. Before I, and we have done this lots of times, um, before I'd ever consider hiring anyone new, the first thing I think is, can we be doing what we're doing mm. more efficiently? Can we automate? Can we um, systemize? Correct. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and it's easy for us, an accountant, you know, we, we can sit there and think, all right, well, can we automate? Well, yeah, why don't we move to this cloud software? Why don't we set up a flow between this and that and eliminate certain tasks or whatever to make things more efficient and reduce the time we're taking? Mm. Um, but if you're in a cafe, I mean, there could be certain things like the way that you've got the waiters structured across the tables. Yeah. You know, it, there's something le not very efficient in the way that you've got that set up. Could, as Tim was saying earlier, could you have two seatings or s something like that? Uh, this is one of the coolest things I've ever read was um, Toyota... Um, or maybe it was Mazda or someone. I know what this went, is, it's yeah, Toyota. Yeah, they yeah. went into like a, um, I think it was a, a food, um, like a homeless shelter food type yeah, It was like setup. a soup kitchen, yeah. Soup kitchen. And um, they didn't donate funds. So, they didn't. They, they weren't going to give them money. Mm. They wanted to help them using their e expertise, mm. which was designing the most efficient, mm. um, I guess, structures for processes yeah. and systems and um, yeah, getting getting cars out the door. Instead mm. of that, they were like, let us help you get more soup yeah. out the door and exactly. feed more people. Mm. And they did. They like, they turned it on, just on its head. Yeah. Which I, I, I forgot the amount of extra soup that they were able to provide, but yeah. it was, it was a big amount yeah. and it was something like, you know, the soup kitchen wanted more money so they could yeah. expand and have more people and whatever. Um, but really, all they had to do was like reorder the tables yeah. and and have certain like sittings said, and yeah. all sorts of stuff. And then suddenly they were serving like heaps more mm. and helping more people get food who would have otherwise gone hungry. So that would be the money ball approach. 
I and know. we love it. <laughs> Moneyball gets me going. It gets me going. Absolutely, it gets me going. Um, but there is another approach as well. You could just add. You could just. <laughs> you could go. Well, I just need another kitchen, and yeah. I need, or I need bigger space. I need more tables. Yeah. Which would be uh, what's the one that's flying too close to the sun? Mm. Icarus. Icarus. That would be the Icarus approach. So let's not forget as well that that also is a solution. Hiring somebody is potentially the solution. So if you can't find an easy way that you can increase efficiency without having some crazy big cost or the the amount of money or effort to increase that efficiency isn't worth the efficiency you'd get, well, then adding resources probably is the next step. Yeah. Um, hiring somebody, increasing capacity. So in a restaurant, for instance, over the Christmas period, you know you're going to get double the people in. Well, mm. you're probably not going to be able to find efficiencies to serve double the people. Mm. So hiring an extra waiter, an extra bar staff on certain nights that you know are going to be busy yeah. is the answer to that, probably. Yeah. So would that be a match? Yeah, I think if you forward plan it. So, and, mm. and, and there are software out there that help you do this, like um, uh, uh, Deputy, deputy Tender, tender that, that. that'll help hospitality. you. Yeah, hospitality. That'll help you schedule when that you know it's going to be busy and they, yeah. they might tell you when things are busy. Or I know like um, Harm, what is it? Asana and um, Monday.com will mm. help you schedule workflows and yeah. like Gantt charts and yeah. shit like that. Exactly. For, yeah. So, that's kind of forward planning and, and the first thing you need to know is is what's your expected demand for your service or your product during particular periods of time. Um, and then how much capacity do you currently have mm. and do you have enough capacity to meet that demand? Yep. And if you don't, well, then you need to either increase your efficiency mm-hmm. or you need to add resources. Right. So, it starts with knowing your capacity. Yep. Then it's knowing how much you need. Correct. And then it's planning to meet yep. those needs. That's right. Like if, if you know that the demand for your product is about to halve for the next two years, well, then you're probably going to need to get rid of some resources before that happens. Mm. Otherwise, you're just going to be losing money for the period that yeah. you haven't done it. Or foster some more demand somewhere. Yeah, exactly. That's cool, Dan. Mm. I like it. I like that approach. Mm. So, it's planning ahead and having... You know, it, it certainly helps having been in that business for a couple of years. Yeah. You, you're going to know the patterns that happen. You're going to know yeah. what happens. It's not always easy if you've just started your business to plan that capacity. It's going to be a little bit of trial and error sometimes. Um, but you'll you'll pretty soon... And, and that's where a, a plan like matching capacity kind of happens, yeah. where you quickly add resources or downgrade resources depending on how busy you get all of a sudden. And solutions for that could be like outsourcing that yeah. you can turn on and off. Yeah. All right, I've suddenly got an influx of work. I can't handle that. I can't hire a staff mm-hmm. that I'm going to have here for a year. This little group of work, I'm going to quickly outsource to this place that I know can get it done for me in the meantime. Like an overflow. Like an overflow while mm-hmm. I look for additional resources. Nice. So that would be an example of matching capacity. Nice. Nice. Mm. nice. I like nice. it. Nice. I like it. But at the same time, like... In that scenario, you want to be really careful that you're not getting so caught up and so busy servicing and making sure people's expectations are met that you're not positioning your service and quality and Mm. value um, appropriately because you could be working harder and actually not um, delivering as much value as you think you are. Yeah, it's, it's important to ensure that that doesn't happen. Yeah, so... Sometimes the appropriate response is to adjust the supply, which means putting the price up. Yeah. Definitely. If there is an abundance of demand, 
Well, scarcity of resources, scarcity of capacity. Put the prices up, there's potentially. All, there's all sorts of solutions. It's not a, a one... And every business, every industry is going to be different. Yeah. You know, if there's a strong market for a particular product, but there's a standard price for it, yeah. well, then that's probably not an option. No. And but people won't be, you know, particularly happy if it's like exactly. they're locals, they know the price of a coffee, and then all of a sudden they go in over Christmas and, and it's $6. $6 for coffee. coffee. Like, mm. Yeah. But you do see that happen over the Christmas period in holiday periods. Prices, Prices change. Yeah. They change. Yeah. And so, that definitely has a lot to do with capacity. And hotels are a good example of this because they have a set yeah. number of rooms. And when there's more demand, they put the prices up. Uber is Uber. a good example. Surge pricing. Yep. Yeah. Um, but if there's, no, if there's no demand, mm-hmm. they drop prices to flights. just cover some of their costs. Yep. Flights. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Even so, just fruit and veggies. <laughs> fruit and veggies. Yeah. Well, when there's, if it's not strawberry season, strawberries are expensive. Yeah. So, just because you're, you're delivering like hours mm. or maybe like, I don't know, making things mm. doesn't mean that there isn't like a demand supply. Absolutely. And working with your capacity as well. So Absolutely. You've got to take note of that and whether or not you could actually be charging more based yeah. on the demand mm. that you're facing. So, in summary, capacity, your number of maximum outputs that you can get with your current inputs, efficiency, how well you turn those inputs Mm. into those outputs, Uh, demand, how much people are willing to buy your product, how many people want Mm. your stuff. Um, So, that's so you can forward plan. So, you can forward plan. Uh, And the solutions to that could be extremely varied. It could be increasing efficiency. It could be outsourcing. It could be adding resources. Yeah, and, it, and, and you could lead or lag on that as exactly, well. Yeah. So, you could, you could add before mm-hmm. the capacity or you could wait for it to hit and then, and then start to add, you know. Yeah. There's no perfect right answer. No. It just depends on you and what you want. But if not managed appropriately, you could be either losing potential income mm. or you could be paying too much and getting less of a profit. There's a lot of value in this for business owners. Mm-hmm. If you can try and have a think about your capacity mm-hmm. and whether or not you're close to that at the moment mm-hmm. and whether or not you can really shift the goalposts there mm-hmm. um, could change your business overnight. Absolutely. None of your expenses could change, but then you could actually produce so much more in income. Absolutely. Mm, if the demand is there. Mm. I like it. So, very, very economic. Yeah. So, we have a capacity on this podcast to go for up to an hour, but... <laughs> I would think that we've got overcapacity because the demand is probably around the 45-minute mark. Mm, that's true. So, that just means we're being inefficient. We're being extremely inefficient. <laughs> well, let's move on then. I blame you. <laughs> Tim, do you have another thing? I do. I do have another thing. But you go first. Cool. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd go first. I did have something. Yeah. My other God. thing this week is... Oh, I know what it is. See, my phone's over there recording video and that's where I keep my other things, Dan. I know what it is. My other thing this week is um, if you're a shopper at Audi, there is a particular Christmas tree biscuit Ooh. that was out last year and it may have been out for years now, but okay. I've only really been shopping at Audi for a year or, or so. Cool. Um, and it comes out around Christmas time and they put in all the Christmas stuff. That and it's a little cool. pack of like eight biscuits. Yep. A little icing, Christmas tree, some sprinkles on top, like fairy lights. Beautiful. I love them. That's cool. And uh, mm. Kat and I 
have a biscuit with a cup of tea after dinner most nights while watching a Christmas movie. Good on you guys. So go to Audi, buy those biscuits. Uh, if you want to send me some biscuits, mm. please don't because I'll get fat. Because <laughs> I will have no self-restraint. What do you mean get fat? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'll have you know that I've I've dropped some kilos. Have you really? Not since we well last done. spoke about it, but <laughs> in general. In this is the guy we're playing golf on the weekend. He pulls a bloody Mars bar out of his bag from nowhere. It was a special occasion. Secret Mars bars. That's my only chocolate bar I've be, had since we've been to New Zealand. Do you think we'd be sinking enough calories in I think actually booze the, the, reason, the reason I think I bought it is because um, I had already had a couple of drinks by yeah, the time we got to the thing. But sugar. it reminded me of... Um, of New Zealand, yeah, where we'd have a little candy bar, st- you know, stashed in my jacket. <laughs> Everyone would on the mountain. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, and I was just with all the same group of guys again. Yeah, and it just must have clicked in my head that hey, I should get a, I should get a, a chocolate. Yeah, and put it in my, nice. put it in my my bag. Nice. It's the only one I've had actually since uh, New Zealand. Well, good on you, Dan. That's uh, I a very an award good. or something. <laughs> Do you want a pat on the back for that? I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Anyway, Audi biscuits, delicious. All right, all right, Audi biscuits. Um, I'm just going to be quick on mine because I really actually want to make this one. And of that's our- all we have time for. So, <laughs> thanks everybody. Um, calculator. <laughs> now, what is it? It's game changers. All right, and I want to talk to someone about this, Dan. Um, so this will be one of our twelve podcasts of Christmas. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm putting that out there. I'm right interested now. to talk to. I might go. I might watch it. Um, mm. this weekend, so yes. we can talk about it because watch it because I I know the opinions about it. I know um, I know a few different sides of this argument. So keen to chat. Little update for you. So Game Changers mm. came out. Joe Rogan then released a podcast with a guy named Chris Kesser or Chris Keller. Mm. I think his name is um, disputing some of the facts. Yeah, who refuted the mm. Game Changers mm. um, claims mm. and science validity mm. and then Joe Rogan got one of the producers um, onto his podcast I think that was like yesterday or today Ooh. and he posted on Twitter about it saying alright um, this kind of blew my mind I was expecting to get him on and he was going to crash and burn but actually he's done such a good job of convincing me about game changers that I'm thinking about taking down the Chris Keller podcast episode what? Yeah. Really? Apparently. So, so, I haven't listened to that yet. I've listened to Chris Keller and that was very So, I should quickly listen to that before yeah. I listen to the other one. Yes. I, because a lot of people, you know, they claim, I think the Chris Keller argument was that the studies done weren't sufficiently yeah. sourced. There wasn't enough people. The population of the study wasn't big enough yeah. to get the real facts from it, which yeah. is fair. Oh, um, definitely fair. But uh, I'd also like to know where his facts came from. I mean, we he need used a, fact a lot of check. macro studies. Yeah, okay. Which are like studies of studies. Yeah, it's I don't when know if I trust that. <clears throat> no. that's a very common thing. They get all the studies yeah. in that area, yeah, that particular field, and then mm. and they go, okay, well, this many studies said, yeah. said this, this yes. many studies said that. Correct. Based on that, we think it's probably this. Yeah, um, that does happen. It seems like a bit of a lazy way of doing it though well it's interesting to to tie what up the general consensus is but it's like all the variables and potential errors that they made in all of those studies are going to be flowing through Mm. and meshing together in your study Mm. so i was like 
yeah, I don't know how that's more reliable. Than I just really a like study. But. I really like that um, the guy from Game Changers went on that podcast, yeah. even though he'd probably listened to the other one. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. And, and I like that Joe Rogan is open to the open other to having sides. him on, yeah. and because he's you know he's self-professed like meat eater, hunts mm. hunts his own meat, and, mm. which is cool. Like good good on you, Joe. But um, it's not really cool. No, I think it's great. Like he's he's killing, you know, killing to eat, mm. which is you know, if you're gonna eat meat, like I feel like you should you should kill it. be exposed to that a little bit. That's true. Yeah, but um, so yeah. Anyway, good on him for uh for showing both sides because all he wants is more knowledge, mm. and I value that. I do value that. Well, that's good. All right. I hope everyone got some sufficient knowledge from this podcast today. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, two drunk podcast at gmail.com. Mm. Find us on Instagram at two drunk accountants. Find us on Twitter at two drunk podcast. Find us on Facebook, two drunk accountants. And uh, find thank- us on YouTube, twisting knobs video by <laughs> Dan Osborne. Can, you, can everyone do me a favor and please don't type in twisting knobs? <laughs> YouTube because it's not going to come up with this. <laughs> it's going to come is. up with some other problems. <laughs> no, I was, no, I was twisting, uh, twisting. Uh, but uh, yeah, find us there. Send us some questions. We've had a few people like us on Instagram this week and I'm trying to write back to everybody. So, nice. if you haven't heard from me yet, don't fret. I will be in touch. Oh, that's cool. Rhymed. Mm. I didn't even mean that to rhyme. Yeah. So, we're hoping you're enjoying episode two of the 12 podcasts of Christmas. Yep. We'll be coming right back at you soon because if you haven't noticed... There's about a week left in the working year and we've got 10 to go. So, uh, yeah, we've set ourselves a bit of a task. We've got a lot, a lot left and uh, we'll see just how it goes. Mm. Catch you later, Tim. <laughs> Bye, Tim. Catch you later.